0: Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee.
1: Please visit us online at centralchurch.com.
0: What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God, and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with him. He will wash you. He will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today. What will you do with Jesus?
1: If you've ever visited an optometrist, you know you're supposed to get your vision checked every year. We do this to make sure we're seeing clearly. If there are any problems, we get a prescription to correct our vision. In today's sermon, Pastor Matt looks at 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 and shares how we can see clearly when our culture's vision is so distorted. To get back on track, people have to hear God's Word. Preaching is the cure for a slowly decaying culture and how we can help people see in 2020. Let's turn to 2 Timothy and listen in now for your moment of truth.
0: Well, friends, thank you so much for being here. It is such a joy to come and to open the Word of God today. Let's take our Bibles and let's open to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Two weeks ago I had an eye doctor appointment and it was a little bit of a strange one. It was one, well it was different. It was just different than any other one I'd been in. For one, I wasn't allowed to walk around and I wasn't allowed to take the glasses and try them on. Do you do that when you go to the doctor? Just try on different glasses they didn't let you touch anything. You had to put a mask on. You had to wash your hands before anything happened. But when I sat in the chair and they started examining me, they said, you know, this is the time of life where we start examining up-close vision and, you know, things like that. And they said to me, you know, Matt, you may need to start wearing a pair of these right here, up-close glasses, reading glasses. And I sort of laughed internally. (laughs) I don't think I'm there yet. I mean, that's really for older people. I don't think that's me. And, and I kid you not, the Lord humbled me in that moment. In fact, what happened was I received a text message and I did this right here. I lifted it up and I went, and, uh, and, and the, optometrist, the optometrist said, ha, ah, gotcha. That's what we look for. And the Lord humbled me in my spirit, and then somebody in first hour corrected me and said, you know, I'm old, and I I have 20-20 vision. Something really must be wrong with you. But, you know, I found myself, sure enough, it's starting to change. And then the doctor said to me, you don't have a job where you look at a computer screen or a book very often, do you? I might. I might. Yeah, I think I do. And I do a lot of reading, But sure enough, they said you're going to have to start wearing some up-close, some reading glasses. And so I'm starting to do that. But apparently I have something called presbyopia. And this is not Presbyterian, presbyopia. And this is an interesting condition. It's where the lens in the eye, over time, it sort of becomes rigid and smaller. And it doesn't expand and contract as responsively as it used to. And what happens is over time, our eyes get lazy. We don't see with the clarity that we used to see with, and well, over time you need help, and that's what happens, and many of you have probably walked through that. Now, I only bring it up because we're living in decaying times. It's not just my eyesight that's decaying. All of life is sort of a decaying time. We see the decay in everyday life, and I look out on our world, and it seems to me like our world is seeing less and less clearly. Don't you think that's true in our world? It seems like we're losing our sight These are decaying times. We see it in society. We see a society that has just, it's blown me away with the things that our culture in our time, in one generation, has started embracing. It's like, okay, here's Marxism, we'll take some of that. Here's socialism, we'll take some of that. Here's abortion, we'll fully embrace that. Let's defund the police. The conscience is vanishing crazy to me, the decay of our culture and the times we're living in. It's like the culture is losing its sight, and I'm just, I'm stunned by it. I can't really believe it. It's sort of like when I heard that diagnosis, you might be losing your vision. I didn't quite believe it at first. More than that, though, it's not only Decaying times with decaying side, it's deceitful times. I mean, we live in a society where the lie is fully embraced, isn't it? It's a society where things have been built upon with the lie. Everything has spin. Journalism is dead. It's all fake news. The conscience is vanishing. It's sensational. It's it's a bizarre times in fact it reminds me of the quote by mark twain mark twain said a little lie a little lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still lacing up her boots that is the time we are living in brothers and sisters to make matters worse it's not only decaying times with a decaying sight it's not only deceitful times with lies everywhere it's also a decadent church The church isn't as strong as it used to be. The craving for good things isn't what it used to be. C.S. Lewis said it so well. He said that God doesn't find our passion and our desire too strong. He finds it too weak. We live in a day where people don't crave preaching like they used to. They don't crave the Word of God like they used to. The hunger of God's people has become weak. We live in the day of sermonettes for Christianettes. We We live in a day with guys like Fred Craddock, who wrote a book. He's kind of one of the villains of expository preaching, and he wrote a book called As One Without Authority. And in that book, he even suggests, let's get rid of the pulpit. Let's just have a little talk. Let's have the preacher sit down on the floor and just give a little speech, a little talk. We don't need preaching. And the book title is As One Without Authority. There should be no authority in the church. And that to me is bizarre because it's antithetical to what the Bible says, These are strange times. In fact, I think Spurgeon, the prince of preachers himself, saw these times coming. He actually said that what was happening in his day is really the manifestation of the same thing in our day. He said in his day that preaching in churches were very strange. He said, Have you ever been to a carnival where they put a lady on a wheel and they spin the wheel round and round, and these guys take knives and they'll throw it and try to intentionally miss her? Have you seen this? It's like the Chinese knife throwers. That's what they were called back then. Spurgeon brought that up and he said, that's what preaching and that's what churches are like today. Go ahead. Come on to my church. My pastor wouldn't hit you. Come on to my church. He wouldn't confront your sin. My pastor, it's a safe, safe place. Just come for the show. Come for the show. Those are the days we live in. Spurgeon saw it and I see it today. Just like my eyes, times are getting worse. Decaying, deceitful, decadent. And the question is, beloved, how is it that you and I are to finish the Christian life in times like this? And to answer that, the Apostle Paul does not tell Timothy, we've got to change our pattern. We've got to change our method. He says one thing to give that answer. He says, bring the book. That's how we answer the problem of our times. You've got to bring the book. You've got to bring the Word of God. Let's remember the section we're about to study in chapter 4. It comes off the heels of chapter 3, where Paul has just finished saying, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's throw out the chapter annotation. Those were put in much later. They're not inspired. Chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God. And he goes on in verse 2 to say, preach the Word. Times may change, but God's method does not change. We're going to preach the Word of God. The Christian life is a preaching life. Well, beloved, we are here in chapter 4. We're continuing our series, Finish Strong. And we are in the last three sections of the book. The last three sermons. I want you to really hang with me on these last three sermons. Because what I want to do is I want to cast a little vision for the next season of life at Central Church. For the next three or four Sundays, I really want you to come and be a part of these Sundays because we're going to do some vision casting of where we are going as a church. That's one of the great benefits For us, uh, during this time where we can't do much, we can really spend a lot of time planning and envisioning where we're going as a church. And so I really want to share that with you over the next three or four weeks. So commit to being here. We as a church exist to make disciples, to multiply, and to mature disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ for the glory of God. That's why Central Church exists. We exist to multiply and to mature disciples. That's Everything we do, we want it to come under that heading. We have core values that uphold that and sort of tell us the environment in which that will happen. But today, I want to give you three words of vision. Three very simple words that are going to mark the coming years here at Central Church. And everything we do are going to funnel back through these three words. And we're going to see the first one today. Those words are preaching, reaching, and training. This is where we're going as a church. Our elders have prayed over these things. Our staff are behind these things. Everything that we're going to do, it's going to fall under that heading. It's going to help us make decisions like hiring. It's going to help us make decisions like strategy and how we can reach our city. The first one we're going to see today, the method will not change. We're going to continue preaching the gospel. We're going to equip you to preach the gospel in whatever sphere of life you are involved in. But beyond that, we also want to be a reaching church. We want to be a church that reaches our city. One of the great things about Central Church years ago is that this was a church that was doing the things no one else in town was doing. We were innovating. This church was taking some strategic risks. It was doing stuff, reaching people that no one else was reaching. It's my desire, it's our elders' desire to get back to that. We want to reach people. We want to reach our city. And to do the things that we want to do that are not happening, we're going to have to do some things we've never done before. We're going to have to innovate again. And so that's where we're going. We're going to become a preaching church, a reaching church. And then lastly, we want to be a training church. During this COVID-19 season, we can't do a lot. What can we do? We can train leaders. We can train elders. We can train teachers. We can train small group leaders. We can raise up the next generation of discipling, disciple makers. We can do an awful lot. And that's really what God's put on our heart. We want to be reaching, preaching, and training. And so that's where we're going for the next season of life at Central Church. And today, and over the next four weeks, I want to unpack that vision with you. And today, I want to look at the very first term. It's the word preaching. Preaching. That's what this passage that we're about to look at is all about. It's the preaching of God's Word. So let's take our Bible and let's stand together in honor of God's Word. We do this out of respect. We do this out of authority because the Word of God has a place of authority here at Central Church, the Bible. Dear friends, the Bible is central. We're going to look at the first five verses. I'm going to put on my reading glasses. teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Sum up the whole sermon today in this one thought that I want to put on the screen here. Preaching timeless truths is the only prescription for truthless times. That's where we're going today. There's only one prescription for the time we're living in. We've got to get back to the Word of God. And while you have it open, I want you to see this. Look at a few terms here. Notice that first word in verse 2. It's the word preach. All these terms are appositional terms. They show nuances of preaching. You see it in verse 2. At the end of verse 2, again, there's the word teaching. Then in verse 3, you get that word sound teaching. Then in verse 4, you get the truth Then in verse 5, you get two words. Your ministry. These are appositional words. Fulfill your ministry. Teach. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. You and I are to be focused on a preaching ministry in whatever context you have. Maybe it's to people at your work. Maybe it's to people in your family wherever you go, and wherever we go as a church, we are to be a preaching, teaching, truth-telling people, and that's the only way we're going to accomplish our mission. Now, I want to show you this. Before you sit down, let me just remind you, Martin Lloyd-Jones last week, I mentioned him in a sermon, and I thought about him this week, the good doctor. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he left an amazing, a promising job of being a physician for England and for royalty. He left fame. He left fortune. He left the perfect life. And people asked him when he threw that away to become a preacher, they couldn't believe it. They said, you're an amazing guy. You threw all that away to preach? And this is his response. He said, I gave up nothing. Nothing. I gained. I received everything. I count it the highest honor that God could confer to any man to call him to be a herald of the gospel. And that's what I want to say to you today, beloved. I want to enlist you to become a herald of God's Word and to preach God's Word and see it as beautiful and a high and holy calling on your life. So may God bless the reading and preaching of His Word. May He apply it to our hearts you may be seated. Finishing strong is a life that preaches. How do we help people see truth in 2020? How do we help people receive the truth of God's Word? I have three things that I want to give you. Number one, first we have to be concerned about your commission. First of all, you and I are going to have to be radically concerned about our calling, our commission in life. Are you one of those people that thinks about your calling very often? If you're going to pick up this desire, this passion for fruitfulness in ministry, fruitfulness in life, you're going to have to be passionate about your commission. Notice those first three words in verse 1. I want you to see the seriousness of this. I charge you. These are the Apostle Paul's final words to Timothy. Timothy. We're in the last chapter. The last chapter he will write of this epistle. And remember, last words are lasting words. What would you say to your children if you had one final thing to say to them around a hospital bed? This is the last thing you can tell them. What would you say? He is giving Timothy, his son in the faith, the most important words he could give before his head is removed. I charge you. He makes this as weighty. Listen to me. He makes this as weighty as he possibly can. What does he charge him to? In the presence of God. In the presence of God. That's pretty weighty. And then, again, and of Christ Jesus. That's your Lord. That's your Master. That's your Savior in His presence. And then, who is the judge of the living and the dead? That is incredibly weighty. It's the reminder that your King, your Savior... He's coming back. And it's the reminder that this is not merely about earthly relationships and earthly concerns and earthly matters. One day, beloved, one day, the people in your life, oh, get this, the people in your life, they are going to stand before Jesus Christ. They're going to lock eyes with the Lamb of God. That is a heavy, heavy day. And you, man of God, you woman of God, you are going to be God's instrument to get them ready for that day. That is a heavy, heavy day. And you are going to help them be ready. You have to grasp the weightiness of this issue, and not only that, by his appearing and his kingdom. He's going to appear, and when he appears, he's going to be the king of everything. He's going to own everything. And what will he say to you and to them on that day? How do we grasp the seriousness of this charge That we have been given a mission to fulfill. My fear for broader Christianity, my great fear, is that many will stand before the Lord and there will be large chunks of our life that we wasted. I don't want to hear that. I know I will, though. There will be sections of my life that I will stand before the Lord and I will have wasted. What will we say? how do I get a passion so that I not waste the calling He has put on me? How do I gain some of the weightiness, the seriousness of this charge? Look at verse 1. It's His appearing. It's His appearing. In the Greek, this is a massive word. It's the word epiphania. It's a word that was used in a couple of ways. Epiphania. It was used for like Greek deities that would supposedly come down in all these fables, and they would appear before the people. But a second way that it was used was whenever the emperor was coming to town, the ruler was coming to town. The ruler would show up, the word would get out to the town, and the people would find out he's coming to town, and there would be this flurry of activity in the city to sort of get things right. If there was work being done on a street, they would get that completed. They would literally sweep the streets in preparation to receive the emperor. They would get ready for his appearing. That's our word. That's our word. So Paul's word to Timothy is, Timothy, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. But God is still coming. No longer will it be me overseeing your life, encouraging you, pushing you. The Lord a greater accountability. God will see all your labors. Takes us back to the first sermon in this series, doesn't it? I want to live to please God. He's coming, and I, I I want Him to be pleased with my work. I want to live in such a way that I get the hidden smile of God. When I was in school, I think it was junior high or high school. I honestly don't remember when I read this book, but it was the book, The Great Gatsby. How many of you had to read that growing up? Anybody? I think they make you read that. It's a form of torture, and everybody has to go through it in their summer reading, and it's cruel and unusual, but you have to do it. And at some point, we all read that book by Scott Fitzgerald, and it's a story. I never saw the movie. I know they came out with a movie, but it's a lot about just lawless activity, sinful activity, and there's all sorts of bad things that are happening. And throughout the book, there's this billboard with an optometrist's advertisement. And the billboard has a pair of eyes and some glasses and these gold-rimmed glasses on the billboard. And that was Scott Fitzgerald's way of saying that among all the activity that happens of man, God sees. God bears witness to all the things that we do. And he is the ultimate authority. And he always sees, and throughout the book, this image just keeps coming back of the eyes that are watching. Paul gives that image to Timothy. He's coming. He's watching. He's going to appear. So you and I are Reminded that our God sees and will one day appear and I want so bad to please him because he could appear at any moment. So preaching the word means that I have to take it very serious and you have to take it very serious as an extension of Matthew 28, that you're a part of this in everyday life. Martin Lloyd-Jones caught the heart of this. He said that I can forgive a preacher almost any bad sermon if he gives me, I love this, a sense of the awe and gives me a sense that though he is inadequate in himself, he is handling something very great and glorious. And if he gives me some dim glimpse of the glory and the majesty of my Savior and the glory of the gospel, if he does that, my soul is satisfied and I am profoundly grateful. We have to take on that heart of the majesty of the message that we're preaching. This is a heavy, beautiful, serious calling.
1: We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also like to meet you in person. Worship with us at 9 or 11 a.m. every Sunday at Central Church. If you're unable to attend in person, we also have services streaming live where you can engage and chat with other believers throughout the service. Visit centralchurch.com live to find out more. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's Word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH-TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.